0: Tonight, we've gathered seven black Georgetown undergraduates to host a discussion about blackness and pop culture and media. So if you guys can go around and introduce yourselves before we get started, then that would be great.
1: Okay, so my name is Adama. I'm a senior in SFS studying culture and politics, and I'm from the Bronx um, in New York. And currently, I'm the president of Georgetown Independent Film Society. I guess what groups i do identify with besides obviously being black um i am like a first uh, first i guess second generation immigrant i get confused on those terms like my parents are from gambia originally and i'm also muslim so i feel like that kind of like also informs like my opinions on media especially today
2: hi everyone i'm fatima daifan i'm a senior in the college studying government and african-american studies with a minor in theater performance studies Um, I'm a member of the Black Theater Ensemble and I'm currently working on a thesis that is exploring Black womanhood this semester called Sunbath and communities, identities that I identify with. So the first generation student, my mom came to America from Sierra Leone when she was pregnant with me.
3: Hey everyone, I'm Kendall. Um, I am a sophomore in the MSB studying management and minoring in um, African-American studies. Um, Currently, during the pandemic, I haven't really been involved directly with clubs and organizations. But I'm a musician, an independent musician. Um, I make all my stuff. Like when I'm not doing school, I am, but like I'm going in on GarageBand. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, the communities and identities I um, I identify with: I'm black, I'm gay, um, non-binary, and yeah, I musician, creative all around, Uh, yeah, that's me. Hi everyone,
4: my name is Dalen. I'm a sophomore in the college majoring in American musical culture and minoring in journalism. I am a dancer and the creative director for Groove Theory, which is a hip hop dance team on campus. And other communities I identify with would be Christian and I am mixed, but I primarily identify with black.
5: Hey guys, my name is Jeremiah. I'm a sophomore, uh, currently studying international business and finance in the MSB. Uh, Some organizations I'm a part of would be Gamble, uh, Minority Business Leaders and Entrepreneurs, um, GUPREF, the Georgetown University Public Real Estate Fund, Male Development Association, and uh, uh, some others that I won't get into right now, but some communities and identities that uh, I would like to personally identify with would probably be, well, I hail from Panamanian, Liberian, and Armenian descent. So I personally identify as Latino, uh, Middle Eastern and African. But first
6: and foremost, Black, of course. Um, Hey everyone, I'm Jamison Smith. I'm from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, I'm a junior in the college and I study environmental bio and my minors in education. I haven't been too active in, it in most clubs and organizations this semester. Um, I guess I can say I work for the Pivotal Network though at Georgetown and we try to help solve undermatching between low-income first-generation students and higher education.
7: Hi, I'm Sam. I am a junior in the MSB. I was born in Nigeria, but I was raised in South Jersey. Um, I am the co-executive producer of the Black Theater Ensemble. Uh, Shout out to Fatima Sunbath, as you guys heard about. Um, And I primarily identify as Nigerian American.
0: Well, thank y'all for introducing yourselves. Um, So now we can get right into it. Uh, And the first question I have for y'all, and before I specifically pose the question, I'd like to give a little bit of context. So I feel like as a country, we've become accustomed to only celebrating certain Black figures during Black History Month. And because it is Black History Month, I think that's a a great place for us to start. So we all, every year we come around and we hear and see the Oprah's celebrations of Obama, Martin Luther King, Frederick Douglass even. Um, But I feel like we tend to censor American, heterosexual, Christian, and sometimes exclusively male figures. So I'm curious from the group, if any of you feel like we should adopt a more expansive view of Black History Month as representing the entire black diaspora or should we keep the the focus narrow in some way? And if you believe that we should adopt a more expansive view, what does that look like to you? And if not, who should we work on um, including or excluding?
2: My immediate response to that would be, I think that in light of black history month and even just even when we reflect on blackness in general, I think that we need to start with not picturing that view on a, a leadership basis or like a hegemonic basis and it's hard for me to like say exactly what that is but for me that's saying like these big leaders that we see they're usually representational of kind of what we celebrate black people to have accomplished so um, almost just thinking about like Beyonce like Beyonce is that exceptional black woman come black history month like she the face she's beautiful we want to see her, but. I think that we need to move away from representational forms of speaking about blackness because at the end of the day, it's not one individual's identity that's going to be um, the picture that can be painted during the time. Um, So I'm very big on and what I think that like film media does is just reflecting on little like not little but like individual people's experiences, which is a lot of what I think black radical feminism is talking about now that we need to be interacting with people on just different, very different um, different of different communities, usually, or not usually the best communities for us to be interacting with, I would say, um, are those that are the most oppressed because they are the ones that are really showing us like the tools and the innovation that we need to celebrate.
3: Thank you for that Fatima and I I completely agree with you um, about like broadening that view and I also want to bring into the conversation the fact that accomplishment is often defined by the white establishment in these cases, it's like who is most palatable for you know what like white narratives of success and accomplishment and I think in and thinking about that, we also need to think about how our history is told, right? I don't know if any of y'all have seen Judas and the Black Messiah, um, but it just like even that coming out um, made me think about how important it is. Like, like not even just like expanding who is a leader, who is a hero in the Black community, but how we tell our history, who is villainized, how are our fights for liberation demonized in media, how do we rewrite that? How can we tell a broader and more richer, more nuanced um, tale of of the Black experience, um, not just in America, but all over the world?
0: Well, if nobody else has any opinions on that topic specifically, feel free to jump in on the next one. Um, I just wanted to piggyback on what Kendall said, because you mentioned Judas and the Black Messiah, which I thought was a great film. Um, But that leads directly into the next question that I have for y'all, which is what are your thoughts about non-American Blacks portraying iconic black American figures in the film and vice versa. I think it can go both ways. So in Judas and the Black Messiah, we see Fred Hampton, um, Chairman Fred, portrayed by a British actor. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that.
5: Personally, I feel that as black people, despite not being African American, there are certain experiences in which all black people can share. And I also feel that there are certain stories in which um, all Black people, or at least uh, Black people that have been through certain experiences and understand uh, the way the world works in certain ways, um, I trust them to be able to share that story. And I feel that it needs to be told. And from my own personal perspective, if someone has a talent in storytelling, and in this case storytelling through the method of acting, I feel that um, being African or uh, of the African diaspora, but not necessarily African-American, it isn't an issue with me per se. But I understand that some people feel that it should be specifically African-Americans who share that perspective with the world.
7: Uh, I'd like to speak to this. Um, Yeah, I generally think that uh, when we get to topics of roles in movies, we kind of have to. see the lens, we have to analyze it with, it, with a different lens. Uh, because when you look at Hollywood in general from a black perspective, you'll notice that there's only like seven or so actors that really get recycled through the same movies um, as each movie really comes by. And, and there's only a total of like probably five black films made a year um, that actors really have to select from. So while we have like a narrative of minimal amount of black movies being made and a minimal amount of roles, and you do have a large amount of competition for those roles being black and an actor. Um, I think when we uh, kind of hold, a lot of people hold the actors accountable for getting the jobs and portraying these figures um, to the best of their ability, and they kind of uh, demonize them for doing so, Uh, but we kind of have to demonize the system that kind of makes it so that they have to step into those roles in the first place.
0: Well, I'm curious just to throw another consideration into the conversation, if you all's um, feelings change when it goes the other way. So I remember in 2018, when Black Panther came out, there were a lot of people who were upset that you had a Chadwick Boseman, for example, who was sort of portraying an African leader and enforcing an African accent in a way. Um, And then they really didn't even get into like the regional aspects because a lot of the times it was like borrowing from different tribes and different countries within Africa. So I'm curious if, if that perspective would change your position on the issue as well.
2: I I guess a, a kind of, I, I see exactly kind of what you're saying, but I think my position is like, it's very specific to the performer because reflecting on my experiences, I feel like I grew up, in a household that was primarily African and not even um, in Africa, you know, like in America, Africans trying to make it in America. And, but that was just like my home, like the walls of my home as often I was in there. But as I got older, I I was participating in, not participating, I was hanging out with my friends basically. Like I have friends who have families that were black and I was integrated within those communities very deeply. So I, like the thing that I kind of think of is like if as an actor you know I'm trying to you can you know there's actors who do their research this is that and the third but let's say you're really going for the actor that just has that true essence of the experience I think it's interesting to like think about like the nuance of like the specific person so it's difficult for me to put like a label on the whole thing.
7: Yeah, so with Black Panther specifically, I, bl- I didn't feel any specific way about that story's portrayal, um, just due to the fact that it was written by Stan Lee, a white man, and Jack Kirby, another white man. The story was kind of in its origins, blackness from a white lens, um, it being created by white people. And while it is a representation um, in a, to an extent, uh, Black Panther casting almost an entirely black ensemble, and it being the um, critically acclaimed film that it was, um, the origins of the story is not that of a Black person, really. The character in itself, uh, yes, is Black, but by happenstance, I'd say not really in writing, um, because the writers would have no real understanding of what that experience would be like. So in Chadwick Boseman stepping in to fulfill the role, I kind of allow him creative License to really develop a character in a film that is based off of fiction. Um, so, in its while it is offensive, I do understand um, that fictionalized Africa is kind of portrayed in a grand scale before actual Africa is. Um, I see progression, and yeah, that's my personal opinion
4: on that. Yeah, I want to kind of speak on that too. This is going back to what Sam just said and Jeremiah said about that aspect and that that talent of storytelling because when I when I watched Black Panther and saw Chad McBoseman playing it that that was not the first thought that came to my mind just because of how he was able to embody that character and I think a lot of the time even people within the Black community kind of fall into the trap of thinking that a person's color or their roots have the ability to authenticate who they are or like they have that ability to portray an experience, even though they may not have had that personal experience. So I'm, I don't think that a, a color or like where you came from should necessarily dictate how authentic you are to convey or portray a certain role, especially when, in this case, it is a fictitious role. And I think there should be a lot more focus on where the motive is coming from in terms of portraying a, a specific role or a film or a project. Is it more on the appro- appropriation side or appreciation? Because there's a fine line between the two. Um,
1: I think also another reason why Black Panther, like, of, of course, there were people mad about it, but like, it didn't get the controversy, like the Harriet movie or like the current Fred Hampton movie is because like, at the end of the day, Black Panther is a fictional um, character. It does, like it like, It's fiction. But then when you talk about, you know, actual people that existed in real life, it kind of gets touchy, especially when um I know Cynthia and Enri- if I'm I'm gonna pronounce her last name wrong Rio Um
0: Erivo, Cynthia Revo.
1: Enrivo, yeah. It came out recently that she has said some derogatory things towards black Americans, but yet at the same time you're taking um black American um you're taking roles of black American figures, yet you don't respect black Americans. So I think there is that like, you know, um feeling that, you know, in within the dias- diaspora that, you know, the, the diaspora was basically that you know you have people saying things about black americans africans and caribbeans yet at the same time you want to portray these figures without paying like you know actually respecting the people of which that um person came from so i think that's another dimension of it like especially because i know daniel said um who played Fred Hempton, said that he was tired of talking about race i mean he eventually cleared it up by saying that He was just tired of people not asking white people about the same thing or you know always having to like you know answer that question when white people could do their own research but still like you know it's that feeling people have that oh these british people are taking our roles but they don't respect us or they don't think we have a culture at the same time so i I, I, that's why i say i guess i can see where people are coming from with that
0: i think that's a really good perspective and for those who don't know cynthia revo played harriet in the harriet subman movie that came out last year and then she's also portraying Aretha Franklin uh, later on in a, this year in the National Geographic film. But I want to go back to something that Sam you actually mentioned and you were talking about how few Black films there are with Black leads or made by Black directors or all Black crews and casts that come out each year. And so I think we're all familiar with Queen and Slim, The Hate You Give, Selma, um, their kind of landmark productions but I'm curious from the group what are the implications of commercially successful films, specifically Black films, um, that have plots centered around Black trauma and Black violence? And does it make a difference if these films are produced by Black directors, for example, Tyler Perry, or producers?
6: It's almost like tiring, you know, where it's like every year it'll be a different movie about a different Black like, traumatic experience. And I'm not one to say where it's like, oh, you shouldn't have made that movie at all. Cause I feel like it's still important to see like some kind of like representation. However, at the same time, like, I don't always want to see a movie that's going to give me like, I mean, not like whatever the situation is, but like, I don't want to always see a movie that's like, it's sad in a way. Cause to me, I feel like I'm just like repeating the same thing that you could like, see on the news for like a black person it's like maybe sometimes i do want to see movie where it's like it's happy at the beginning and happy at the end for like all for the black person the whole time and i feel like like that should be like a goal where we try to go towards but however at the same time i also feel like like these movies get critically acclaimed or they get so much money from using like traumatic experiences to show as a film?
4: Yeah, I was just gonna say from my personal experience, I tend to look at films and movies as a means of escape. So movies like that are definitely very emotionally taxing for me personally. Um, but I do understand that it is important to showcase traumatic events in the Black community like that for universal audiences, which is another reason why I think there's such critically acclaimed films. Um, but I do think, that by portraying it in this in a film where there's a fine line between reality and fiction and it coming through a film may seem like this is something that couldn't possibly happen for some people who are just ignorant or choose to ignore the realities in this world i think it can have the ability to kind of romanticize some of these events which can be proven through how many awards that they get which they are very traumatic and like those are the types of movies, The Hate You Give, The Fruitville Station, those are the type of movies you see one time, like never watch again, because uh, they're so emotionally taxing. But um, yeah, I think there is a potential for it to be romanticized and like for people to kind of not pay it as, as much attention as it needs to when it happens in real life.
7: Uh- yeah, I wanted to uh, say that when I uh, watch a movie, something I always think about is how accurately it imitates reality. That's like my favorite thing about um, movies. My favorite production studio is A24. They specialize specifically well in realistic casting people that are real people that are just happen to be in the exact same role as the main character of the movie. Um, and with black movies specifically, I do think it is important that art imitates reality um, and until that point where uh, it no longer reflects the reality of our situation, I do believe that it is important that films from periods of time in which these atrocities are being committed do to some extent reflect that. Um, and But uh, I do also understand the sentiment that uh, of, in Queen and Slim, I was speaking to my friend in which he was talking to me and saying, well, there's an all black crew, all black directors that created the movie you'd think that they'd want an ending in which their black characters made it through. Even if it's not necessarily realistic, um, it's just like an aspect of a film, creating a film, you being the person that has the ultimate say in what goes on, what, what happens in your plot, would hopefully choose to have your characters live, um, even if some extent, yeah,
0: it's not true. And before we move on to the next question, I do just wanna give, um some credence to what Sam is saying, because I mean, the reality is for a lot of these traumatic movies that we see year after year after year, those tend to be the movies that get the Oscar awards or the Emmy awards and things like that. I mean, I'm thinking about Viola Davis or um, Holly Berry from Monsters Ball way back when and Monique from Precious. Unfortunately, those are the movies that tend to be commercially successful for black folks and give these actors the recognition that they really deserve. Um, But I would like to move a little bit away from film and get into television a bit. Um, And I'm sure we're all familiar with these ratchet reality TV shows like Love and Hip Hop, Real Housewives of Atlanta, Growing Up Hip Hop, Flavor Flav, Flavor Love, Bad Girls Club, the list goes on. Um, But let's just keep it real. Because I think that when we're talking about Blackness and pop culture and representation in media, we would be remiss if we didn't discuss those shows as well. And so I want to know from the group, Um, Given the criticism that these shows receive for promoting negative representations of Blackness, why do we feel or why do some people feel the need to categorize Blackness as being negative or positive? Where we, we say the representation of those shows are negative versus other movies and films are more positive representations of Blackness. What are your thoughts
1: on that? I mean, I don't know why people, like, say, oh, it's negative on those reality TV shows, because you see white women and white men um, acting a fool on, like, Real Housewives of Beverly Hill, Orange County, but yeah, nobody says, oh, white people are ratchet, white people are this, this, and that. So my question is, what I want to ask is, why do you feel the need if a black person is acting, like, some type of way that you got to say, oh, you're embarrassing the whole race? I think that just falls to respectability politics if someone wants to act that way just let them act that way I'm not going to say oh that that is a reflection of all blackness or that's a reflection of all black people. But unfortunately, I know we live in a world where people are going to look at that and think that's how all black people act or like people are going to say oh that you know they're um, embarrassing the black race. So I think it's a conversation that we need to have about like respectability politics, and how we shouldn't like you know um say that like you know these depictions of black people represent all black people because at the end of the day black blackness is not a monolith we of course there are people that like that exist on love and hip-hop but i'm not going to dehumanize them or act that act like they're less than because they're not acting the way i want them to act if you understand
3: something i was thinking about and this isn't necessarily like reality tv like love and hip-hop and stuff but like i just think about like opportunists like um like Maury and like Jerry Springer, and these people who like get black people to gum on their shows and like be embarrassing. They're like embarrass themselves or like do things um, that like cause like, like a lot of like drama and stuff like that. It's like these white men just like sitting back and watching these black people make them hella money and put their drama on TV. And just like thinking about how that like, contributes to like broader systems of like, you know, like the commodification of like black life and like black interior life. Um, Just like white people make, I don't know, just something about that just does not sit right with my spirit. Um, Yeah, that's something I thought about even though you didn't mention it.
0: Kendall, I think that's really interesting because people make the same argument for creators like Andy Cohen, the white guy who's uh, sort of the executive producer of all the Real Housewives series. Um, But they also make the same argument about black producers and directors. If you're familiar with Mona Scott Young, who's the creator of the Love & Hip Hop franchises, a lot of people will say the same thing about her um, sort of exploiting black drama or black trauma, if you will. But I would like to talk about um, another trope that is becoming popularized, which is black excellence on the flip side. So you're all black students at a top tier university. I mean, let's keep it real Georgetown is up there. Um, and I'm sure other students have referred to or other people, not just students maybe your family members have referred to you using phrases like black excellence, black girl magic. And so I wanna propose that given that there is a standard for black excellence, there must be an opposite, right? So why do we feel the need in that way to categorize blackness Um, as being excellent, one form of Blackness being celebrated, and others not, and what is it about each one of you that you think distinguishes you from the average Black person? Because it seems like we don't applaud Black mediocrity, we have to applaud Black excellence, and what does that mean?
5: I would just say there's definitely, even within the Black community, a negative stereotype about what Black people can achieve. and. I wouldn't necessarily say that to celebrate a Black student or a Black person being excellent is a bad thing, but I definitely would say that uh, I can relate in the sense that I've received the Black excellence comments and um, just other things of that nature that make me feel as if somehow it's uh, strange or unusual or I'm out of place uh, for being in the position that I'm in. But I honestly feel that It should be normal, it should be seen as something that all black people are capable of doing and something that uh, is just a standard for us to be able to achieve. And honestly, in my experience has kind of made me uncomfortable when I've received those comments, but at the same time, I I do understand that the reality of the situation is that uh, Even from my own hometown, like a lot of black students just don't have access to the kind of resources that even I had access to coming from my family, because I come from an immigrant family. So my experience has been a little bit different than uh, even some other black American or black students of other nationalities who um, their stories necessarily haven't really been the same as mine and they haven't had the same kind of uh, opportunities. And so I, I do understand that, you know, on the flip side, it's, it is special, you know, what we're doing, what we're going through and it should be celebrated, but I do wish that it would be um, treated as normal because I think that it should be.
2: I would say that this trope of Black excellence or, you know, just the idea of it is definitely a product of, like, I and this is not like, quote me, this is me putting together my little academic brain right now, but, like, it's definitely a product of how I think the Black Power Movement developed and kind of, like, the type of organizational power that, um universities or just schools gave to black students during the 60s because that's like kind of what I'm like looking at now some of my classes and there was a point in time where it was kind of like you know you go to school to be like the white man like you're not good why do you want to go to that school like they don't accept you there what do you want what business do you have there and then Black people realize, no, like we can come to school and we have our space and we have numbers to organize. And this is a place where we can do something. And that lasted or like existed for what? Like 60s to 2000s or deep into the 2000s to us now. And now I think that like when we come to college we have that same vigor, but it's like, like it's not like <laughs> we can't make, we're not making things move because they they know how to work against us. Like that's sometimes how it feels. So. All that to say is I think that this push that um, universities are like going to an elite college is like ideal for the black person because you know we're not thinking like oh I'm going to go to college and organize I'm going to go to college and mobilize like a lot of us aren't like a lot of us are thinking I'm going to college to get myself to like that next step to take over the world like (laughs) that's honestly like the thought process some people have so and I think it, it comes from this idea that we're living um our ancestors are like our the last generation's dream in a sense um and you know I, I feel like I realized that because like I was talking to my mom and I was like yeah I want to celebrate graduation and then she started acting like she couldn't hear me and I'm like it's not that big a deal <laughs> like I'm not spending money like this was just hard like I when I think about college I'm like i I, I enjoy books. I could have read all these books on my own and been perfectly fine. Like I just did it in a hard manner. And I think that we don't value labor and work and what the black body is actually doing on a day-to-day basis. And that's like, that's the difference between this fact that like, oh, we're going to get a degree. And that makes you excellent versus like the person who stayed at home, worked hard, made things work for them or doing whatever they do, but it's still productive, spiritual, transformative, you know?
0: Can I pose a question um, based off what Fatima just said to the group um, related to black mediocrity, if, if it's even fair to call it that. Um, but if it's one thing we do in this country it's celebrate white mediocrity. Um, so my thing is, if we can celebrate white mediocrity all the time, what is it? Why, why can't we do the same for black folks? And so maybe um, Jamison or Adama, Sam, Dalen, if any of you, Kendall, if you have a, a perspective on this point, But should we push back on these standards of success and create new ones in your opinions? And what are these current standards to begin with?
6: I mean, I think the current standard is like, whatever the standard is for white people and then like a whole lot more. And I feel like that's why it's always like, do you celebrate like, like to me it's always like black excellence. It it, it, It has to be celebrated because like, chances are it's not just like, it's not just what you see on the face. Um, It's always gonna be someone working harder than what like the white man would have to work. And to me, that's why I think it has to be celebrated. Like, I'm not, honestly, I'm not too sure of like what it would mean to be like black mediocrity. Um, Like, I don't know, I always see it as like, like, it's someone that could be there, but then it's always like the lack of opportunities or resources for that person at a particular time where they couldn't just get it together. I never see it as like a lost cause, if that makes sense.
4: Yeah, when we were talking about black excellence and like black girl magic. When I, when you hear those phrases, well, for me, when I heard those phrases, there's a sense of like empowerment and just hearing that and hearing that being, you being referred to through those phrases. But I also think it comes from this unconscious, like we've mentioned like black mediocrity, But To me, it just seems like there are a lot of low standards for black people and people of color that kind of plays into those empowering phrases that I think a lot more people need to be aware of. And we need to celebrate each other not just out of, oh, I wouldn't expect this from a person who looks like this or a person who comes from this background, but celebrating each other because of their accomplishments and not because of the stereotypes that are inflicted upon them.
3: I just personally feel black life should just be celebrated just period, doesn't matter where you come from, what you're doing. I just feel like if you are black and alive (laughs) and you have a spirit, you should be celebrated. Um, But I think that capitalism and racial capitalism in, in general makes it a thing of like only productive black life that is straight and male and on a path to righteousness in the white whatever way um that is what is celebrated but i think black life can be celebrated without being any of these things black life can simply be celebrated because it is life um and that's where i stand on it
0: jameson you look
6: like he's about to say something <laughs> maybe not <laughs> no nah, yeah i mean like because i agree so much it's just like you know it's weird though when i go home and then like so like i'm a first generation student um and it's like oh, you're doing so great, this and that. It's hard when I try to like celebrate the people around me because they'll like see what I've done or see what I'm doing. And then it's like, I think it's easy for people to try to compare, which is something that I hope people like get out of that mindset. Cause like you should focus on you because once you, like once you do that, you're able to see like, oh, what you're actually accomplishing or like what you could do. And then also at the same time, like a standard of like, I feel like there's like an unspoken standard of what like accomplished means. And that right there is gonna throw off a whole lot of, it's gonna throw off people's expectations of like, oh, who is to be celebrated versus who is to not be celebrated. That, does that make sense?
0: I think it makes a lot of sense. And I know we might lose um, Jeremiah. So if we do, thanks for joining us, Jeremiah. But I do want to end with you all Um, sort of celebrating Blackness in all its forms. Um, Because I agree with you, Kendall, if you got breath in your body and you're Black, (laughs) you should be celebrated. That's kind of what I think. But I want you each, we can go around, um, whoever wants to start can start, but I want each of you to tell me about an underrated um, Black artist, album, film, or show that you absolutely love and that you feel like we should give give them their flowers or give it its flowers while it's here. So this is your time to put people on.
2: (laughs) I have mine already. Um, Mine is a poet. Her name is Lucille Clifton. And I stumbled upon her because the theater program was doing this thing about like, poems like just recorded poems you know we need performances still and Professor Colbert had turned in like a poem by Lucille Clifton that I read for the performance and then I just started deep diving into her work and she was just like she just wrote about life like her day-to-day life like one of her poems was just like a like a love letter a letter to her husband and in the poetry it is just so humanistic I'll say like and so simple and I just resonate with it a lot. So Lucille Clifton, I'm plugging right now. Uh
6: so the artist's name is Prince of Hearts on Spotify, Apple Music. This is my brother's music. His uh I guess his like most streamed song right now is called Flower Petal. Um, I really fuck with his music. I think he's really grown a lot as an artist. Um and yeah, I would I would encourage everyone to listen to it.
7: You know, I was watching um I May Destroy You on uh, HBO Max. That's a really good show. Um, I know that Amazon has some really good independent films uh, called Mangrove, both, I think, I gotta look at the names, Mangrove Education was one and they have another one called Mangrove and Lovers. They're each a different, um, they're set in, I believe, I wanna say South Africa or it's either way, they, they all of them are all around Black people. Uh, Mangrove, I believe is about uh, 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 Black people against the police force in London around the 1970s. Um, another one is a house party, just very fun
0: time, accurate depiction of what the vibes are like. Daylin, Adama, Kendall, anybody y'all want to put on? And Kendall, feel free to put yourself on because I've heard your music and you sound good. <laughs>
4: I don't have like a very much underrated person that I that comes to mind right now. But I feel like the most mainstream and underrated person in film, which is the Noxymoron, I know, but it, it it just seems weird how she's both mainstream and underrated, um, is Journey Smollett. I was watching Lovecraft Country. That show is amazing. There's so much symbolism and metaphors in that, in that one show alone. It it's in my opinion, easily a lot better constructed than a, a film <laughs> would be, but um, I feel like she's had a lot of experience in the film industry where she's been mistreated because of just the way she looks, and she has been restricted to specific roles, like we typically see her in these historical document, documentations and things like that that are that take place and like forever ago. but. I think she's done a great job with the opportunity she's been given and the opportunities she's seized. And I think she is someone that needs to be a lot more appreciated and shouldn't be restricted in terms of her um, creative liberties.
1: I think, um, okay, maybe she's not so underrated because she is known, but I would say no name because I feel like people know her for like her, um, beef with well i wouldn't call it a beef but like her running with j cole or you know when she criticized beyonce and all that stuff but she really has good music um i know casket pretty and like baby love is what's it was like two of my favorite songs of her um so she is a good rapper and i think she was also on chance the Rapper's is acid rap as well so I think she's really talented, and also like give her book club a chance because she does really recommend really good books about like you know um, revolution and you know um,
3: politics.
0: Kendo, you get the last word.
3: Yeah. Um. So this isn't me. I am a musician, and y'all should check out my work. Um. But you know, you know, like Linus from um the Peanuts, and he always carries around like a blanket. Like, I don't know if this is a necessarily like underrated album, but like my blanket is when I get home by Solange, like just top to bottom, love it. Excellent, excellent visuals, excellent, just sonically. Um, And yeah, I I draw a lot of inspiration from it.
0: Well, thank y'all so much. Before we go, I'm just going to highlight and spotlight three Black women that I think are killing the game right now and have been killing the game, but people are now just catching on. The first one is Jasmine Sullivan. Um, I think she's a phenomenal artist and she just performed at the Super Bowl. So I think she's definitely getting more credit um, that really is past due. And the other two are Chloe and Hallie. Um, I absolutely think that they're amazing and really talented. But I really appreciate y'all for joining me. I thought this was a really fruitful discussion um, and I look forward to the next time we can all convene.